Last week, we began by reading from chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What follows that verse for the remainder of chapter 12 and now on into chapter 13 is a description of a man or woman who heeds this admonition from the apostle and says, Lord, here I come. Here is my life, a sacrifice, an offering unto you. And what follows, again, is characteristics of, the, of a life that is submitted to the Lord as an offering. And so we read about several things last week, and we're going to continue on in that theme tonight, beginning with verse 13. Some very practical things are covered in chapter 13 about the type of a life or the qualities or characteristics of a life that is yielded to God as a living sacrifice. And it may be news to you tonight that God cares about these kinds of things, but He really does. And in fact, those who would follow Him, those who would give their lives to a pursuit of godliness will be ones who, who are concerned about every detail of their life being conformed to the patterns and the principles of the Word of God and the qualities of Jesus Christ. So. We begin by saying, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Now you don't get too much more practical than that. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Well, do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience's sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Remember when Jesus was confronted by the Pharisees they were trying to trip, trip him up. They were trying to trick him into um, saying something that would turn the crowds against him, one way or another. And they thought that they had come up with the perfect question. You know, they commissioned some guy to come up with the perfect question to just really let Jesus have it. And I can just see this guy stepping up, you know, quite sure of himself, just knowing that when these words pass through his lips, this Jesus character is going to be undone. And so he says, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And he thinks he's got it for sure. Because if he says yes, then the people are going to 
hey, you know, they hate Caesar. If he says no, then uh, the f rulers can say, aha, you're a, re uh, a revolutionary. So one way or the other, they think they've got him for sure. And Jesus, in perfect form, you know, picks up a coin and he says, whose image is this? And they said, well, uh, Caesar's. He says, well, give it back to him. If it belongs to him, give it to him. Give to Caesar what belongs to him and give to God what belongs to God. And they found themselves not having put Jesus back to the wall, but they found themselves looking for the door. You know, because they had to face the fact that they were not giving to God what was God's. What is that that belongs to God that we have to offer our lives? Well, <clears throat> Jesus says here, in a similar tone, give to authorities what is due to them, but give to God what is God's. Give to Him your life, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. But that kind of a life that is yielded to God will be one who is in submission to authority. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Do you realize that? Do you realize that all authority comes from God? When you're on the job, the guy who is above you in, in the uh, uh, line of authority is not the source of authority. He gets his authority from the guy above him. That guy gets his authority from the guy above him. And it keeps going on up the ladder till you finally find the guy where the buck stops. You know? Well, God is the guy where the buck stops. He is sovereign and all authority comes from God. Now that includes the limited authority that our adversary has. All authority comes from God. And one of these days, God is going to say, okay, time's up, your authority is gone. And in fact, that's already been accomplished at Calvary's cross. The plug has been pulled on the enemy's authority. And the mop-up operation is happening now. But see, all authority comes from God. All authority. Well, what about Hitler? All authority comes from God in that nobody has authority over anybody else but that God grants it. And you can uh, scratch your head and wonder you know, why God does some of the things that he does or why he grants authority as he does. But all you're going to do by scratching your head is gouge your scalp because God doesn't answer to me or you. He is sovereign. He is the, and all we have to do is settle the fact that what the Bible says is true. I, don't, I am not God's judge. He doesn't answer to me. I don't have to understand it. All I need to do is know that all authority comes from God. Now what does that do for me? That puts me at ease. That those who are in positions of authority over me, I can trust that God is somehow working through them for my benefit. That doesn't mean that whoever is in authority over you always makes the right decisions and always does nice things for you. 
but it does mean that God is able because the authority that's been granted over me comes from him in the first place and because he's concerned about my life very deeply I can rest assured that the positions of submission that I am in to authority are going to work for my good in the long run and that is real liberating I don't have to always be grunting and groaning and grinding my teeth about the dumb jerky boss that you know won't let me be what I need to be or do what I need to do I don't have to have all that turmoil going on inside of me because even though that guy may be a jerk his authority over me comes from God it's to him he will answer and I can rest I can rest so all authority no there isn't any authority except that which comes from God and authorities that, are exi that exist are appointed by God therefore whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves now you'd never say the things that you say about your boss to God would you but in fact we are whenever we buck and fight against authority we're bucking and fighting against God for rulers are not a terror to good works but to evil do you want to be unafraid of authority do what is good and you will have praise from the same now, what, now there is a qualifying factor that we need to look at here he says you want to get along with the authorities that are over you then do what's expected now that's pretty simple pretty plain you're not going to have any trouble with the law if you keep the law you know now what about governments and authorities that are not keeping the law now that's that's a question that we need to ask and that's a question I think we need an answer for so turn to first Peter chapter 2 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 13 therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good for this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice but as servants of God honor all people love the brotherhood fear God honor the king now the important thing to catch here is that he says for us to submit to um, every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake whether to the king or to the governor and we're to submit to them as to those who are sent by him meaning God for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise or the exalting of those who do good and I believe that that is a qualifier to this command for us to submit to authority because it says that an authority that is um, that has been granted by God and is being used by God for our benefit in other words for us to submit to is one that will uh, draw the line between good and evil punish evildoers and exalt those who do good 
When an authority or a government becomes so perverse that those are twisted and the government or the authority that is in power begins to exalt what is evil, I mean, yeah, exalt what is evil and punish what is good, then I believe we are um, free from our obligation to submit to that. Because it, would, it, it uh, is contrary to a higher law, a higher authority. There's God, and He is supreme in authority. He grants authority to other levels down below, and we come under there. And as long as those authorities, though they are weak, though they are uh, fleshly, though they are at times stupid, as long as they keep in perspective that God has granted them authority to honor good and punish evil, we can submit to them, even in the midst of their mistakes. And we are supposed to. We are commanded to. But when that authority that God has granted becomes perverted, I believe we answer to the higher authority. And that's why if you were in a communist country, for instance, and you were commanded, a communist country where you were commanded not to gather for worship, to disobey that um, command, that directive, in obedience to a higher command, which is that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, you would not be in violation of the Word of God. You follow me? Okay. However, we aren't in that kind of a circumstance. Our government, as frail as it is, as foolish sometimes as it is, as corrupt as it is sometimes, basically, basically, generally, is here to punish evildoers and to promote good. All right? And we, as citizens of this country, do not have the right to disobey the laws of the land. That's what the scripture tells us. Those of us who are submitting our lives to Christ as a living sacrifice do not have the privilege of disobeying the law. We are not above the law. We are to submit ourselves to that law as submitting unto God. It's like my wife. She entered into a submission to me when we got married. And I am not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, really, I'm serious. And I, I uh, have made bad choices. I have required things of her and my family that were foolish and, and wrong. But it would, be, it would be equally wrong for her to move out from under the authority that God has placed in her life uh, just because of my mistakes. You see, and even if our government has, uh, makes mistakes, it has been placed in our life for a purpose and we are to submit to it. That's why when you um, drive down the street and you see the black and white, you are to respect that guy even though you know that guy's not perfect. You know that, I mean, I, well, I won't say his name, <laughs> but I know one of the policemen on the force here has some, and I know him personally, and I know some of his problems. And, and I have had some questions about some of the judgments that he's made. However, that doesn't give me the right to assume that I 
am above a authority, an authority that God has placed in my life. So when I drive by and I see him, I slow down. <laughs> and that brings me to another thing. The law and the authority that God has placed over us is not only something we submit to when we're being watched. You know? Notice what it says here. Therefore, you must be subject not only, verse 5, because of wrath or because you're going to get a ticket or because somebody might throw you in jail, but also for conscience's sake. You know, we have developed an idea here in the United States that as long as you don't get caught, it's okay. You know? Speeding or driving above the speed limit is fine as long as there's no cops around. Um, it's okay for me to try and uh, cheat the IRS as long as I don't get caught. I mean, it's just part of the game. It's all right to, be a, to violate the law unless we're being watched. God says no. God says no. Because we are to submit to that authority as a gift from God to us. Alright? For because of this you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now let me talk to you about this submission thing at a different level, okay? I think it's pretty clear that, you know, God doesn't want us holding up banks and, you know, uh, that kind of stuff, breaking the law. I could tell you some stories. I won't. God doesn't want us breaking the law. That's pretty clear. But, you know, there's other levels of authority that God brings into our life that we need to learn to submit to as, as, as to the Lord. And I'll give you a personal example, okay? And I, I have been real honest with him, so I know he won't mind me saying this. But about um, seven years ago, we came here to this area of Northern California from Los Angeles to enter into a discipling relationship with a man in uh, Danville, a pastor of a young church. His name was Jim Hayford. He had invited us to come to, to work with him, to be with him, to learn um, in a kind of a, an apprenticeship how to minister, how to serve the church, how to be used of God in that area. Now the original invitation was, come, I'll help you find a place to live, I'll help you find a job, and uh, you um, be become a part of the congregation here, and, we'll, and I will enter into an agreement with you that for one year, I will give myself to you in a discipling fashion. And at the end of that year, I believe that the Lord, this is what he's saying to me, I believe that the Lord will have prepared you for uh, public ministry, either in this congregation or elsewhere. And so we came, and that one year of discipling turned into four years. The original agreement uh, was unable to be kept because the church grew much faster than he had anticipated. He did, there just wasn't enough of him to go around. And during those four years, I'll tell you, I was very frustrated. Really, really frustrated. Because <clears throat> I was, you know, I was a 
anxious to get going. You know, I had perceived myself as having a certain calling and a certain set of gifts and stuff, and to just be sort of um, in the shadows was hard to take, frankly. To be in the background, to be um, serving, I was serving the Lord and, and, and so on, but to be kind of, you know, second string was hard to take, frankly. And I find myself really chafing under that authority. Really chafing under that authority. And you know, when you're in that kind of a situation, you can pick out all kinds of faults and things. Man, I could just run him into the ground. And then the Lord just really, I thank God. I can't tell you how much I thank God for this. But the Lord got a hold of me one day and helped me to understand that God, I didn't, you know, this isn't something that we just decided to do. This is something God had ordered for my life. And that he put that man in my life in an authority position for my benefit. All authority comes from God. And I did not have the right to break the law or to hold in contempt that authority that God had placed over me. I didn't have the right to do that. I needed to submit unto it as unto God for my well-being. I knew that I couldn't change him. You never can change another person. So what the Lord said to me is, Randy, you've got to learn how to change your responses to that authority. I wasn't really sure what that meant at first. And it wasn't easy to do. But when, as that process began to unfold in me, I began to benefit by the authority that was over me Thing, you know, things didn't change. It was still a very frustrating circumstance to be in. Promises were made that weren't delivered. Um, weakness showed through. However, my responses changed. And I began to see that authority as being placed in my life by God and began to submit to it. And, and I found myself reaping the best. I began to grow in my character like I'd never grown before. And stability came to areas of my life that hadn't been there just because of the pressure, you know. It's like you take, take a hunk of coal and you apply enough pressure to it, you get a diamond. And so in that frustrating and pressure cooker kind of situation, diamond was being fashioned. Looks pretty good, huh? <laughs> no. but. I bring this to you because I know I have a friend. I won't tell you his name. But I have a friend who is in the exact same situation. And he's not found how to change his responses. And he said it's for big, big trouble. The gifts that God has placed in his life, the calling that's upon him, the anointing that's upon him, is in jeopardy and could finally be totally wasted and lost because he is currently failing the test of submitting to a higher authority, even one that's not perfect. And I pray for him. I pray for him that he, that, and I've talked to him, and I, I just 
pray that, that God will be able to break through there. Because now, now on this side of that trial, I can say that I'd do it again. I'd, I'd go through the same thing again. I, I can see so clearly God's hand in it all. I sure couldn't at the time. But now I can. I don't know what it is that God has placed in your life of an authority figure that you are to submit to that you're having trouble with, but I'll bet there's one in every one of your lives. And God is wanting us to understand that all authority comes from Him, even ones that aren't perfect, but that if we learn how to change our responses to imperfect authority, that He can use it in our lives and will. All right. Verse 8. There's a kind of a change in direction here now. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Verse 8, Owe no, man, owe, owe no one anything except to love one another. Now there are those who have taken this verse of Scripture and have used it to say that we shouldn't uh, have any credit. You know, we shouldn't buy anything on credit. We should not owe anybody anything. And... I think that there's a, a valid principle in there, but I, but I know that's not what's being driven. I mean, that's not what's being said here. I mean, that's not why that verse is there. But let's talk about that for a minute, okay? Because there is a, 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 a kind of a parallel theme. God is telling us to submit to authorities, to obey the law, to, uh, and to do so from our conscience sake, not just... Um, out of wrath, okay? To purchase something you cannot afford is stealing it. It's breaking the law. It takes years to catch up to you, but you broke the law. Maybe, maybe not in, in, in uh, the sense that the police are going to come and arrest you, but you broke the law in your conscience. Owe no man anything. I believe there's a valid principle here in terms of our submitting to authority. We're not to purchase things we can't afford. Now, how do you how do you judge you know judge what it is that you can afford and can't afford? A lot of us have trouble discerning what that line is. I don't know how to tell you the answer to that question. I just know that you need to settle it. You need to answer it in your own heart. What is it that I can and can't afford? And when I reach the line where I can't afford, I don't buy because it's stealing. It's breaking the law in my heart. Okay, but now let's deal with this verse where it really falls. If you are a lawbreaker, you owe the punishment, you owe the wages of your um, breaking the law to the authority that God has placed in your life. And the Bible is saying to us that, that we need to be law keepers so that we owe no man anything but love. 
So they can, they don't have, so the world doesn't have any grip on our life. So there's nothing in me that the world can cling to. Ah, but you are a thief. Ah, but you are a, 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 a um, an adulterer. Ah, but you are this, that. So that there's nothing in my life that the world can hang on to and I am free to be a ministering agent of the love of God. Owe no man anything but to love one another. You know, when Jesus was crucified and ascended in, or descended into the, into the place of the dead, there was nothing for death to hold on to. No sin. There was nothing for death to hold on to. He owed no man anything. And he was free to show the love of God. If we're going to be free to show the love of God, we have to be free of our debt in terms of disobedience to the law. That's why there's a lot at stake when you run that stop sign. It doesn't seem like much, you know? And there... But, but there is. There's a lot at stake. Every time we do that, every time we break the law of the authority that God has placed in our life, we, we undermine His to use us as demonstrators of His love. You follow me in that? And I know, I, I don't want you to hear what I'm saying tonight and just go, Oh, no! <laughs> there is... Over here at the library, I'm not the library, the post office. When you come out of the post office driveway, there is a no left turn thing there that drives me crazy. I tell you, I come out of that thing and I go, Lord, forgive me. You know, I repent all the way home, going the wrong direction. Because I hate that thing. But you know, as silly as it is, every time I break the law I'm really damaging my ability to serve Jesus oh no man anything but to love verse 11 and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep for now our, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed the night is far spent the day is at hand Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in licentiousness and lewdness, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. That's pretty clear, isn't it? That's pretty clear. Oh, no man, anything but to love one another. That's a real challenge for us from the Word of God, but I think it's something that we just have to face. We have to really come to grips with the fact that when we fail to respect the authority that God has placed in our life at any level, we undermine our ability to serve the King. And that'll make you think the next time you come out of that post office and want to turn left on it. Oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah question. You know what I was thinking about when you were saying that? I was thinking about when you said when they turned evil, praise evil for good, and they twisted around. Okay, what about like when the judge when the Supreme Court's like um, saying it's okay for some you know, homosexual to raise their kids out of the Christian 
-hmm. Is that where you turn the tables, where you take the authority and you say, no, that's not right? Or do you still go along with it? I believe that as long as, you know, there, there's not a, I'm not going to give a cut and dry answer on things like that, but I'll just tell you what I, what I think the, oh, the guiding principle is. That if the government or the governing body or authority is gen, generally, I mean, has it as its presupposition, the exalting of good and the punishing of evil, I believe you got to think twice before you break the law, before you violate that authority, before you undermine that authority. When there is uh, a pervasive perversion, one where um, our, let's say, let's just keep it right here at home, our government here in the United States takes a, a, a significant turn to where the government as a whole no longer exists to um, exalt what is good and to punish what is evil, then we're, we're not, in my opinion, we're not bound to consider it an authority. Because the judicial system making an error in, in judgment like that, you're talking about a mistake, okay? Of an, of, of, it's like uh, the policeman who is not a perfect man and sometimes makes mistakes in judgment but doesn't give you the right because he might make a mistake to, to undermine his authority. See, it's not perfect. Our system, of no system of government is perfect. And in all cases, uh, exalts good and punishes evil. But we're talking about the general underlying presupposition of that government. Answer the question, okay? Okay. <laughs>